And we're rolling. Jackson, how's it going? <laughs> it's, it's a startup soda. It's good. How are you doing? Oh, yeah. I saw. I didn't record first. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're here, man. Tell us, um, tell us where you're at. Um, right now I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm uh, riding my mom's coattails and taking a free Airbnb while she is working. And it's uh, it's great. What about you? Where where are you at? We are um I'm up in uh Spokane Valley, Washington. And um, but that's not that interesting. What's more interesting <laughs> is I saw um on Twitter you um are you going to an NBA game this week? Oh my gosh. The, the Twitter Twitter's a wild west, man. It's it's funny how much I like just share. I right. think like it's you know, the funniest part is like all the security questions are like what's your mother's maiden name? And I'm ninety yep. percent sure every mom has their maiden name in their public facing right? Facebook profile totally. picture, right? Like exactly. like it's hilarious how how much public information you can just pluck from someone. Like it's unbelievable. I think you and I've talked maybe five times four times on the phone probably maybe uh and like i yeah. know i feel like i know so much collectively about you like when i really think about it that it feels feels very funny to know that you that you know i'm going to an nba game this this friday but um yeah actually so I, i've been working on trying to get to all the stadiums um i actually am doing it in memoriam of of uh, my college roommate he passed away when a couple of years ago and uh we were trying to get to every single one and so yeah. i'm this year i'm doing the td garden which is this friday in boston awesome. i'm doing the lakers game uh the day after thanksgiving at crypto.com arena, crypto <laughs> arena. Yes, um yeah. but but i'm a massive sacramento kings fan so when i was in community college shout out juco <laughs> i couldn't afford uh i couldn't afford season tickets for the kings and I like really, really wanted to go because I had nothing else to do. And so I uh, basically watched every video I could on sports journalism. And I pretended to be a sports journalist and I got a job to cover the Kings for an yes. entire year. Yeah. And uh, I went to every game and every home game. And like there's, you know, 41 of them. And I got to interview, uh, you know, everyone on the King's side quite a bit. And then as well as the people on the opposing side. So I actually had to ask Kobe Bryant a couple questions. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. I, I, and I talked to uh, Steph Curry the year before his unanimous MVP. Um, you know, that was the year we had DeMarcus Cousins, Rondo, Rudy Gay. Um, but yeah, it was a really, really cool, cool experience. And so I was... Um, Community college was a really interesting time. It was like kind of trying to figure out like my 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 footing, totally. um, and like you know you have so much downtime on your hands. It's like unbelievable. So like all the like the random projects and um, like just different things I did are just so damn funny. I don't look back on it, but how like it collectively came together, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'll be being here for until Saturday and then um, just hopping around. But excited, moving, moving. Uh, filling the sf to new york city pipeline uh yeah. come the new year which should be exciting and so it's been good it's so interesting i have like so many thoughts about what you just said like but first i want to talk about the kings real quick yeah. I, don't, I don't like follow basketball that much i'm from washington so like i'm a sonics fan yeah so like basketball is just a little sad um but i did live in arizona so like my second team is is the sun so like they're a fun team um but it seems like the kings aren't aren't terrible this year are you are you hopeful like i know that 
as a Kings fan, like you can't get your hopes up too much, but, but how are you feeling? <laughs> it's, it's funny. Um, I probably have the same hope level as the residents of Seattle when they thought they would steal the Kings. Yep. Um, you know, <laughs> so, so like, you know, I'm almost on the cusp of getting there and, and nothing ever happened actually turns into fruition, but I mean, they've been bad for 12 years. So I think, uh, I think we've actually had, we've gone through, I think two recessions uh, yeah. since, since they were good. And so at this point I'm kind That's of just, rough, you know, yeah. I've kind of come to terms with it. You know, I think, I think I've gone through, what is it? The six stages of, of, uh, of, of, of yeah, depression yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 I think I've done that twice. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> kind of just reeling in. Um, but, but it's funny. I mean, I, I think so. My, my girlfriend and I have been together for about five years. And so yeah. we started dating. She like knew I was kind of a fan. We'd go to games and now at this point, you know, 82 games in a season, I think she's getting a little, little, right. little exhausted as well too. And we're only like 15 in, but no, it sounds like, when, when, when did you live in Arizona? I didn't know you lived in Arizona. Yeah. I was down there from, let's see, end of 2016 to like middle of 2019. Mm. So I was down there for about like three years for undergrad. Um, and did I went you go to school? like, yeah, I went to ASU. Okay. So it was like, the thing is like my college experience way different than most people's college experience because i was married the whole time so right. i didn't have like the, most people in college aren't married right <laughs> <laughs> well I what's the difference just, between what's the difference between asu students and u of a students i don't know asu students are smart no they both got into <laughs> asu <laughs> no it's totally true like asu i applied to asu and i think i got like my acceptance like 30 minutes later is like, Oh yeah, you're in like <laughs> you're live. Yeah. Come here. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. What was your SAT score, your ACT score? And do you have a pulse? And then you're, what's right. <laughs> well, funny. I, was, I actually really wanted to go to U of A. I got accepted. I went and toured and then, um, like I was, Oh yeah. No kidding, <laughs> dude. I, I, at the time too, I was so nearsighted where I was like, I don't care. I'm going to pay out of state. And, I was a C student and I was just like, I'm going to go to a party school. Like it's going to be sick. And my dad was like, no, you're not. You are not ready for any of that. <laughs> so yeah. shout out to him for that, for that choice though. I'm, I'm really glad. I think in the grand scheme of the butterfly effect, I think that was probably like the single greatest thing that like could have happened to me to like really realign. Cause I was like a total, like, Oh, like a peaked in high school kind of guy, like small town, thought I was the yep. shit. And like, yeah, just, yep. it's so funny how, how much things change, little decisions. Yeah. Have you, have you read yep. a choice like that, that like you didn't know would have such a large impact on like kind of who you became as a person? Oh, totally. And like, that's the thing is, so I did basically like you and I, we went down this similar path where it was like, I chose to, instead of doing the smart thing of like not going to an expensive school. I went out of state to ASU and like I had a decent scholarship, <laughs> but still like I left ASU with like, I don't know, probably $70,000 of student loans. Crazy. sucks, man. Like, yeah. I was expecting to get like in-state tuition like pretty quick and it just didn't work out that way. And like the thing is like, I don't regret it that much because like I made some of my- the That, that much, the that much piece yeah. though. <laughs> I still, it, there's still some regret. Right. Like if I wasn't sitting here with like, too much student loans to like feel happy about then it would be like the best decision ever because my wife and i we loved arizona like arizona is like second home to me my best friend lives in arizona and like i text him more than i text anybody else like me and him we are like thick as thieves and if i didn't 
if I didn't go there, like we never would have been friends. So right. like, sure, it's worth it. But if I could have done it better and like maybe even just gone to community college for the first couple of years while I was there, gotten in-state tuition or something like that, like that probably would have been a better way to go about it. Oh, for sure. And you know what's so funny is like the Tempe, Tempe Scottsdale area is like the most confusing like age demographic I've ever seen. Yep. Like they're like 90-year-old yep. men in like saunas and golf. And then right next door, there's, you know, some person doing a beer bong off of a, of a yeah. house, you know, you're just like, where am I right now? You yeah. know, it's, wild. um, it's funny. It's I, I really like Scottsdale a lot. I also think too, that like, depending on where you go, it, the debt still exists, right? Like I did two years at Juco. I have like, I think 15,000, maybe, yeah. maybe more than 15,000. I don't remember. It all blends together at some point, but you know, I think, uh, I think that new University of Austin, the contrarian uh, fake college, you know, the yep. South Harvard Institute of Technology, it seems yep. sick, dude. I'm kind of yeah. down. <laughs> it's it's interesting. I've been pretty like, I went to school and I was like against it. Like college sucks. I don't need this. <laughs> and I still don't really think like, I don't feel like I really learned that much basically from like ninth grade to like senior year of undergrad. And then law school, I learned a crap ton. Like law yeah. school, I learned a ton. And yeah. I think like part of undergrad for me was just like growing up. Like you can't take somebody, like I don't think that I learned that many things that actually helped me in law school, but you, ne I never could have gone straight from high school to law school because I just didn't have the maturity. And so I think like almost half of, at least half the value you get from college is like just having to be independent and figure it out and like go to class every day and figure out how to like take tests and stuff like that. And whether you like actually learn things, I don't even know if that matters as much as like just becoming an adult, you know? You know, I think I see that take pretty often as people get older, but I think when you're removed away from it, I think you really forget though, how much that does impact a lot of your decisions so quickly out of school. Oh, yeah. And I think, like I said, once you leave it, it's very easy to be like, I'm not doing, you know, those things anymore. I'm not learning those things anymore. But I think they're like really good ways to shape like what you really care about. And for yep. me at the time with going to school, uh, you know, I had such a big curve because I like cheated all of high school. Like it was yep. like my favorite thing to do yep. was to prove as um, how far I can get with as little work. <laughs> and, and then, and then I like passed the, the AP tests. So I'd have to take it at community. So yep. all of a sudden I show up to UC Davis and I'm in an advanced like global macroeconomics yep. and I don't even know which way the supply curve <laughs> is. <laughs> and so I'm just sitting there and just like, okay, so how do I, how do I figure out how to get through this class? And so I think like you quickly learn you know, the, what levers to pull, uh, in terms of like, you know, how you spend your time, how you allocate your energy. And I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, being in those classes, they provide a lot of doors into clubs, into other people you meet into directions. And so I, I would say, you know, I think there is still value to it, but I totally agree with a lot of your saying as well too. I just think it's, it's, I think it's easier to dunk on college now, the further away you get from it. Yeah. And the more like people tweet about it and baloney like that. Totally. Right? I was like 100% on the, like, you don't need college. Like it sucks. And like, sure. Maybe I could do some of the things that I'm doing without college, but like for most people, and even for me, like college was helpful. And I think like, sure, you can, you can sit around and like pick at all the bad things. Should it be cheaper? Yes. 
but like it's a good thing for most people and like if my kids want to go to college totally support that i would support them going to college more than them like not going to college and just like being an entrepreneur or something like that oh, that's like my the, that's like the whole thing nowadays is like don't go to college just start a business okay you're not qualified to start a business i tried that while i was in school i didn't know friggin' shit dude i didn't, yeah i was like just like trying to be like a sales guy like i know <laughs> what i'm doing i'm just calling all these grown-ups who are like what you're like 18 19 like why am i gonna buy your crap i, I don't know like right. because i want to start a business like no that's not how it works go get some skills and it's so funny too when you're like 18 or 19 you're like so into the wrong things like you're not an 18 or 19 nope. year old building you know an enterprise api that you know does resource allocation you're like no. the next facebook that's right. me you know? right. like, like and you have no clue on that stuff and then if you want to go and get like a fang job or something bigger you have no qualifications like you're, yep. you're completely underqualified i think I think what we need to bring back more than anything is trade schools. Yep. I think that I think these coding boot camps are a bunch of BS. I really yep. do. I think you're paying thirty thousand dollars for a Udemy course, and you know the 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 path isn't any more clear. You're not taking any shortcuts. It's it's a bunch of baloney. But I do think like really like certified trade schools that provide a two year window in class with professors for coding or for like anything for that fact of a matter would be so effective in this like modern times that i i think it just has it just gets so over stigmatized because of you know game days and and you know pressure and i think that's one of the really hard things about growing up that i think our parents definitely did not resonate with was you know a lot of our timelines of success are based off of what other people's lives are like seen on our, our phones or whatever yeah. and i think that really creates a lot of self-inflicted pressure to do more or be more than than what you're happy with and i think that's a really hard way to grow up for one and for two i think you know so i deleted like facebook i deleted instagram i deleted everything no snapchat nothing and no TikTok. i haven't even on TikTok, and it's just Ooh. been heaven because like for example right now the only thing i that that matters to me is this conversation yeah. i have no idea what anyone else in the world is doing and that's a great feeling but like growing up like i would see like who was at what game day what was yeah. the biggest thing and i had immediate comparisons to every single person in the united states that i knew and that was yeah. like really harmful because it was like my you know my day to day to everyone's highlights and so I had a really bad like case of mental health around social media. I think probably I'm not sure if I'm an outlier, but I'm definitely trying to open up more about it because I think it's, you know, I was really into it. Like I, you know, as many likes as I can get. Like, yep. you know, I had a really decent following base because of like how much I traveled and stuff. And how much. I, and anyway, that's besides the point. I'm not. I'm not in your podcast to flex about how. No, no, no. It's. I think that's like <laughs> it's an important thing. Like, back to like like this idea. I like I struggle with it as well. Like this idea that like. I have like this huge chip on my shoulder that I need to be, I have to be better than everyone. Like, right. I don't know what happened. Like so I playing sports with your kids is probably just a blast. Right. Cause you just like, <laughs> oh. no, it's, 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 this super, like, I don't know my need to be better than everyone. I'm not that competitive with sports. I'm not that competitive with like, I don't know. My one thing is like, I have to be more like successful than everyone. And like, what does right. that mean? Like, like I'm, I'm rational and logical enough to be like, success looks different for everyone. 
And like, like what you want and what I want are going to be different. And that's okay. If you get what you want, you're successful. But I have like this, like voice in the back of my head. That's just like, you will be on the cover of Forbes. You will show up to your 20 year, (laughs) 20 year high school reunion in a Lamborghini. And then they will all know that you won, you won the game. You're the richest. You're the happiest. You're the most successful. And like, honestly, I've spent like a fair amount of time in therapy, just like talking about that and what that means and whether that's a good thing or whether that's a bad thing. And like, there's definitely like a comparison aspect that like, I just do you think that comes from taking a different route? Like I I had a lot of that because of the chip of my shoulder of community college. And, but now that's like kind of removed from me, like the community isn't really a part of my story anymore that I, I rarely bring it up, but I'm curious, like, because you were married the entire time of college, because you made like different choices, does that, does that like kind of come out more because of those different choices to kind of prove that you were still, you still capable despite not having the typical experience kind of? Um, so kind of, so it's, this is not something that I super like to talk about because it makes me seem like an ass, but like, (laughs) I'm a, I'm a pretty smart guy and I grew up like when you're, I guess, like smarter than the average bear, people like apply average standards to you or average expectations to you. And then basically you spend your whole life thinking that that doesn't apply to me. Like. I can do so much more, but, but people don't like teachers and your friends and everyone else, like they can't see inside your head. They don't know how your brain works. And so you, for me, like there was this dissonance in what, like, I believe is inevitable for me and what is like realistic and like probable for most people. And so like that, like feeling like everyone was trying to corner me into like the safe route or the, the. I don't know what success looks like for most people. I think that it kind of like put a big chip on my shoulder of feeling like people don't understand me. Like nobody gets me and I have to prove everybody wrong. And so now I have this, I'm on this like mission to show everyone that like I'm as special as I think I am. And so now like, and I'm going to, like I 100% believe I will, whether that takes me somewhere that I'm happy with or not is another question. But like, <laughs> I'm 100% like on this mission that like everyone will see that they like, it's not their fault. It's no one's fault. Like when you're a teacher, you're just like, yeah, we have to help like students achieve success. And we kind of have to teach to like the average person. And so like they, that's what they did. And How big were your like, class sizes? How big were your class sizes? I don't know, like 30 people. 30 people, 1 to 30 is ridiculous. Like, like you have two kids. How old yep. are they? They're two months, like three months and two years. Okay. Imagine having like 28 more of those. <laughs> you right. have to like craft the minds of, like be cognizant of. And I think it's crazy like how much teachers recognize a lot of like my personality and energy and enthusiasm at a young age that I got off the, I got off the hook with a lot of that pressure that I think yep. you might be feeling. Like yeah. I was kind of always, I believe, to be considered like just kind of a lazy ass, you know, like like, like, like underachieving. Yeah. And and I was okay with that because I, I participated so much, right? To where like it was almost like I, I wouldn't write the essay, but I'd be a part of the entire like conversation. And so yeah. I think like the way you worded that though of being like, 
I don't know if it was the, the line about the dissonance or the line about like trying to prove to yourself that that's real. I don't really have that as much. I know a lot of people who do have that. I think like I only get that. And this is why. So I picked up golf this last year, right? Yep. Like I really got into it. And the only reason why I think I really love it so much is because I get to be competitive with myself on a day to day basis. Yep. Well, like if I hit a ball, I'm like, okay, I can do better than that. Like I can absolutely, you know, whatever. And I'll, I'll talk to myself and get my head, but I don't really have that normally because I think what I, I've really come to like, try to come to grips with is that the expectations I hold for myself just don't exist at all. Yep. Right. And I think like that might be under delivering. Like, I wish I had that tenacity. I wish, I think it's fair to talk about it. I don't think it makes you seem like an ass. I think it, you know, might take a couple of minutes to get someone to understand your entire point. <laughs> but, but, but I think though, it's, it's, it's tough to like really be honest about. And I think it's really even harder to accept that and, and, and own that. Right. And be like, listen, like, this is who I am. Like this is just one way or another, you got to accept yep. it. Right. And yep. I think that it's better that you own it and don't secretly like pretend that that's not real. Right. Cause I think like having a cognitive understanding of your own ego, not like ego in, in terms yep. of like, you know, baby, yep. yeah. I think that that's a really important like step that a lot of people don't take. <laughs> and I think they just like, you know, let it really impact themselves in so many ways that's almost self-destructive, you know? And, and I think that's really cool to talk about for sure. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that it's taken a lot, a lot of hours of therapy of like really trying to understand like what makes me tick. Oh, look at like this why. guy bragging about a lot of health insurance. <laughs> so wow, this guy can afford so much therapy. Bro, wow. I'm, I'm only this subtle flexes. It's all the subtle flexes. It's my dad's yeah. health insurance 100%. <laughs> guy's yeah. like, oh, dude, when I put braces on top of my braces, <laughs> I'm doing very well for myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Out of therapy. So I didn't have a very serious topic, but I just thought that was really funny because I've never, oh, I've never heard no, it like This that. has been a good chat. Let's talk a little bit about – um about soda because we can't forget this was great intro banter you are <laughs> so far my second guest and my best intro banter guest let's um, go let's go yeah, we got into some deep stuff that i didn't know i was going to talk about on the podcast but here we deep are stuff is good i think i think deep stuff makes all the topical jokes way more fun yeah right? because i think like then you can you know joke about those kinds of things you know like you being a you know a really cocky asshole yeah exactly that's me like it is yeah. it's 100 part of me and that yeah i think the listeners need to know yeah, it's been accepted um, yeah shout yeah. out shout out to our listeners if you made it this far you know oh yeah well let's, i'd like to take a moment to also actually i'm i'm contractually obligated to make a shout out to trader joe's barbecue chips <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no. awesome um, well, what soda are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking Canada Dry Ginger Ale. So is this like just the soda you had? Is this a soda you like? Tell me about, about Canada Dry Ginger Ale for you. I have a really interesting relationship with soda, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I know, I know people probably don't start off the topic, but but me and soda, <laughs> we, we, we go back quite a bit. Awesome. Uh, I was the kind of kid who always had like a red lip stain from Gatorade. <laughs> like, I was always a guy like spiky hair, like a little stain on the lip. And, and uh, I love, like still do, just love sugar. And so I drink soda like, oh my gosh, all the time. And my parents, like I love them to death, but like 
I don't know why, but I had like so much fast food as a kid. Like we'd go to lacrosse practice and we'd get McDonald's right after. Like, and so I always get soda. I always, always got soda. And it's funny. I think like my dad switched to um, diet sodas. Like we buy a bunch of diet sodas at the house and drink those. And it just, it just didn't matter. I just, I love, love soda. And so as I've gotten older, I stopped drinking like all soda entirely. I worked at Taco Bell for my very first job. Um, I, I, my, me and my buddy, would go, uh, out on a boat, uh, like, you know, as much as we could, my dad was like, you can't go anymore until you get a job. And so I walked into Taco Bell and I said, are you hiring? And he said, can you start on Thursday? There's only two of them. This is before the labor shortage. Yeah. And I said, I said, I said, yes. And he goes, you start now. And he threw me the application. I filled it out. <laughs> and I started working on the spot. I don't know how many labor laws that breaks. And right. sorry to my, my man, Jose, but, but, but I literally like was working in plain clothes. Like just helping him run the register. Awesome. And, and, and then I went boating that night. But anyway, when we're there, <laughs> the, 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 the refried pinto beans, you know, the teen angst and, you know, the dream of, of leaving, I had just so much acne. And like, I was like, I'm done with soda. And so I gave up on it. So now whenever I'm feeling like a little like, you know, you know, Nate Elliott, as you might call it, a little, a little full of myself, I, I indulge in a very delicious Dr. Pepper, but that's, that's my go-to. But anyway, that had nothing to do with ginger ale at all. I'm not really sure why, why I'm on this <laughs> tangent, but ginger ale is good. And I, I, I drink it on the planes. So awesome. I'm going to drink it really loudly for the viewers now. Some ASMR. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, I'm actually in a similar vein. I'm drinking a Fresca. It's, oh, again, whoa. It's, Here we go. Here comes right? Mr. Rich again. No, yeah. Oh, wow. They call this sparkling soda water. It's like straight up just like <laughs> seven up, but it has zero calories. And I'm all about zero calories because I don't like to drink my calories. And um, it doesn't have caffeine. And my doctor keeps telling me not to drink so much caffeine. So I drink. How these. much caffeine do you drink? Well, I mean, I usually started the day with like 160 milligram um monster and then like i could oh I could my throw back, god i could throw back like five plus like cans of diet mountain dew a day which is like another 250 so, each or the total total so like oh my doctor my doesn't gosh. want me drinking more than 400 and so i don't want you to and i'm not even a doctor that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. horrible oh my god yeah so oh these help me drink more soda and also not blow up my heart and, yeah, geez, Louise, man. Have you heard yeah. about the the head coach of the uh, of the Detroit Lions? Mm-mm. He drinks a thousand milligrams of caffeine every day, and so really some bad. reporter, oh yeah, no kidding. Uh, he, 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 coaches, he, he coaches for the Lions. I, I think he likes self inflicting pain. <laughs> but Seriously. I think I think a reporter was like, "I'm going to try that," and like checked into the hospital like halfway through the day because they couldn't handle it. But yeah, no, I'm I'm not much of a soda drinker, but I, I did have Fresca. Those are Sam's Club, right? No, like, these ones, I don't know. I get these at like. Let's just off the beaten path a little bit. It's like the guy on the freeway kind of thing, you know? Yeah, they're not like, they're a little bit hard to find. I like the grapefruit citrus. It's just like super mellow. Like, I don't know. I don't love soda out of a can. I drink soda out of the can, like 10 cans a day at least, but I don't love soda. 10 cans of soda a day? Oh, like oh no my idea. gosh. Wow. Yeah. You see, I love soda. That's why that's I crazy. Soda, you know? Ten cans of soda. So, so let me get this straight. You drink a full monster, about ten cans of soda. Like, do you have any coffee? Any water? No. Like, is your, is your? Oh my gosh! I, mean, I drink. I drink some water. Like, I've been trying to like put more water in lately. Yeah, that's I could crazy. drink like a full. 
my wife um got me some of these frescas but in like two liters and yeah like, I'll, I'll do a whole one of those in a day like no a two deal. liter of fresca no big deal oh my gosh that's insane is your is your like how thick is your blood like when it donates it's just like they have to like chip it out of you <laughs> they, they don't take it anymore like, yeah. you, you can't, uh, that's crazy dude wow i'm lucky like i'll have like a cold brew in the morning because that really like gets the jump going yeah and then if i'm feeling a little frisky i'll have like maybe a green tea but <laughs> that's, about, that's about it for me that's yeah. crazy well good for you man good for you 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 are you're the superior sugar being that's for damn sure <laughs> see i only drink diet though so i i won't get diabetes. i feel like it's worse I, you don't I'll know it's di- in diet it's diabetes <laughs> or like whatever diet it's like, diet or a diabetes you know exactly. <laughs> so like, i'm okay. dodging the diabetes and we'll get whatever the diet gives we'll just call what you have at this point diet diabetes because that's right. what i think you're <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's funny cool. well you have to tell me um what your favorite soda medium is what's a soda medium like so, like a person who talks a dead soda no. <laughs> i do have a good dead soda guy though um, uh, yeah. no. <laughs> you're the same guy fresca <laughs> <laughs> so there's canned soda there's bottled soda plastic bottled soda glass bottled soda and fountain soda those are the main what about ones. what about what about soda you find in nature <laughs> yeah i don't think that's a thing yeah natural soda um my favorite soda oh you know what actually okay so this is lacroix kind of soda because because i can slug lacroix it's like it's no okay all right well, that's no it counts. it counts it just, counts i just well, so, so 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 in, <laughs> i heard a, i anger read a tweet where it was like um mccroy tastes like you're drinking sparkling water and someone just shouts the flavor in the background yeah. <laughs> i love that yeah. day. i know you yeah. laugh but but uh it's funny so like in in college i i thought it was a really cool i have like that um that ability to like really open your throat when you drink beer yeah. so i can just slug them in like a second I was the coolest thing ever. I was like, oh, I'm sick. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a party guy, whatever. Yep. And, and so now whenever I get like really dehydrated, because uh, my girlfriend and I, we lived in Palm Springs for six weeks during the summertime of uh, 2020 to get out of COVID. And I really said we just moved to, to, the, to the coolest city in the world. Anyway, um, it was just so hot. It was like 120 by like 8 a.m. or whatever. And so I'd crack open a LaCroix and I would just do the throat open with that, with that carbonated like, yep. soda. And I just slug a LaCroix first thing in the morning, like as fast as I could. I was on a massive belch, jump in the pool and start working. <laughs> that was my go. life. And so there's something very fond in my mind about just slugging LaCroix. I don't know why, where I was going with that story. I love that. That's, that's I love me. that. I love that. So man. yeah, that that's why that's why my 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 medium my medium is is uh, Vaughn's bot Lacroix. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> well, now we are to the um, the startups segment of the show. So why don't you just tell the listeners kind of what you do and how you um, found your way into startups? Yeah, yeah, I'd actually love to. Um, I've been waiting all night for this question. <laughs> you know, I just talking about soda like some moron. No, no, no. I thought we were talking about salads. Um, no, no, no. Um, no, no. I, uh, I have a very like – so I've, I've always had an affinity for startups. Uh, I, wish, I wish I knew the amount of exhaustion that comes with resource allocation that I know now, <laughs> but, but, but I've always, always loved startups and it's so funny. So 
I was just talking, I don't remember who I was talking about this, but I was saying like, when I was in high school, right? Or maybe even like younger. So I'm not gonna go back, but yeah, high school or younger. But I, I always tell my parents like, how did you not know about the internet? Like, how did you not get into right. it? And they're like, it wasn't as obvious. That's what crypto and web three is right now. Like, I'm just gonna say it. It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna blow up, it's gonna be terrible. But anyway, I've like always had a fascination, but I think I've always had a fascination with like, like doing, like, like running a business, like, like just being kind of an entrepreneur. I, I uh, in third grade, I organized a uh, presidential election on our playground for president of the playground. Nice. Uh, I ran and I won. Uh, nice. So, <laughs> sorry, Jeff Ritter, if you're listening to this, you got <laughs> smashed in third grade. Um, and then I ran like countless. I, I wrote a, I wrote an entire newspaper by myself in fifth grade and sold it. And we didn't have an affiliate school newspaper. I opened a bank in sixth grade out of my desk where we got caught tickets for being good kids. <laughs> and I would loan people out for raffles so kids could have a bigger chance of winning on terms of payback. Um, I'd that's always awesome. just done like really weird things. And I, I don't, that's like the one qualm I had with my parents is they didn't look at that like, hey, maybe there's something here. They looked at it like, hey, he's kind of weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, think, I think like that's like the one thing I wish is like really harbored from a young age, yeah. but it's something I always like was really into, like countless um, lemonade stand, like everything I could do. And so anyway, um, I, went, I, went, so my, my, I think my startup story really starts in, in community college. Uh, it was, I think like my, my first year there, I was like 17, and I got like a BDR job, like a totally normal eight hours a day. And we had the cold call financial advisors that we had no connection to at all. And we had to get either, I think it's 10 to 15 calls an hour or one demo for your AE an hour. And it was for a financial advisor. So my day started at 630 and it was a 45 minute commute to the office. I sound like my grandpa, it was uphill both ways. It was literally like, <laughs> right, maybe it was 25 minutes, 5 a.m. I'm just hauling ass. Yeah. But, but, but the point was I get there and I, I have this energy. I've always woken up with this much enthusiasm. I, I never- I don't know it. how you do that. It's literally like, I just pop up and just ready to go. Um, but anyway, so I'd get there, I just pound the phones like all day long. And so, I get from, it's really funny. I do, I do it from 6.30 till two. I go to class from like three to five. I go right for the Kings, seven to the end of the game. I was like swamped. Uh, and I was getting really annoyed because I really wanted to be an AE. Like I was like, that's my yeah. thing. And it riskalized was the name of the company. They're a small FinTech firm. I got so much experience. I have like nothing but amazing things to say about them. So if you're a financial advisor in the off chance and you're trying to quantify your client's risk, <laughs> as I did them capitulating during a bull bear market, you should go reach out to my boy, Ethan Poe. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, but they were like a real startup. Like they were, they were like, you know, I think one of the only at the time at what felt like real startups in Sacramento. Yeah. Um, and, and I think they had like maybe a series A or B at the time. I don't know. They were really, I don't remember the, the logistics of it all, but it felt so cool. Like it was like, you know, laissez-faire when you show up, there was like snacks. Yeah. It was like the whole energy of like 2016 or whatever it was. Um, and so after, after we went to the AE and I, I was like, they're like, we can't let you do that. Obviously you have like three years of college left and you're 17. <laughs> like, no. And so I, I, I ended up putting my two weeks in and I ended up just doing freelancing yeah. and freelancing at that time was really weird because it was not commoditized how it is now, like at all. There was no like support. There was no classes. So what I did to get my first clients, <laughs> I shit you not, I got in my car. I packed up like just not even a bag. I just threw clothes, my monitor, my rollerblades, and I drove Roller south from. Yes. Oh yeah, the blades. <laughs> and I, dro I drove south, 
And I went to every mom and pop shop that I could find. And I walked in and I said, give me money for gas, food, or a place to stay. And I will do anything you need for your website. Anything you need at all. I'm trying to learn. Like whatever you need. And I did that for 30 days. And I drove from Sacramento to LA and all the way up to Seattle and then back down home, just living out of my car. And it was the coolest thing. Um, however, that's a very hard business model to scale. <laughs> so, <laughs> you couldn't raise VC money on that? No. no. <laughs> so so with, with them being able to raise that, I was like, okay, I got to like really figure out what I'm doing here. So I took the BDR stuff, did that for a couple of years, just kind of cold call clients, had a bunch of different – I ran, I ran, I think, like a state congressional campaign in Nevada. Um, I, I, I ran the social media for like Buckhorn Grill by myself, 16 chains, like just these hilariously funny jobs, and I look back on it. Like 20. I just talk out of my ass like I knew what I was doing. But <laughs> that's anyway. what all 20-year-olds do. Just oh, dude. That's all I do now. It's just, <laughs> it's just who I am. <laughs> um, and so anyway, so fast forward. I did it throughout college. I transferred to Davis. Just did it there to pay for everything. Um, and then Ella, my girlfriend, she got a job in the South Bay area. And we moved to, to, to Campbell, like by San Jose. And I got my ass kicked down there. Like – I just had no clue on the scale, the size, right? So like yeah. little marketing boy from the you know small pond is like, hello, you me do your Facebook ads. And <laughs> you know, I just got crushed. Yeah. So I had to shut that down. I got a job as a founding sales associate to kind of like build everything on the sign for this um, construction company. It was uh, a very interesting journey. Uh, I ended up leaving in February of 2020 because February of 2020, and uh, ended up joining Gainfully and, um, oh my God, I forgot the biggest, the biggest piece of all of this. Sorry. So, so when, I, when I was doing the freelancing thing, I had a lot of time on my hands because I had no clients. So I was like, yep. you know, I have a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> I was like, I have an awesome idea. I'm going to make this blog um, and I'm going, because I was really into pop culture. I was like, I'll make this blog. I'll do like these cool little like commentaries or whatever. And so... I was looking for domains and the domain hella dad was available. I can't remember that story. And I was like, this is a sick domain. I'm going to take this. And so what I did was I made a WordPress website. Like I learned a bunch of like marketing, all this like development stuff. And I made like a fully operational blog. I made an app kind of like Bleacher Report on the iPhone. Like I was in time of life. And I was arbitrarily rating things on how dad they were. So, <laughs> so, so like a new album would come out and like, this is four dads and a stepdad. Stepdad was a half star. <laughs> and so, it. and so, so funny. So I got my way into a Pete Davidson comedy show and I got to nice. interview him and I was just That's doing all awesome. kinds of things. So I was tinkering. But anyway, wait, 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 um, wait, wait, wait. What was that like meeting Pete Davidson? It was really funny. So he came out after the show and there was a bunch of girls waiting for him. And I thought it'd be yep. really funny. I still remember this joke. I think it's a great joke. I, he was like, oh, are those girls waiting for me? I go, yeah, yeah. Go and say hi. And so he walks over and I walk back to him and go, ladies, this is my friend Pete. And he goes, I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't think it was That's funny awesome. at all. But I remember that joke so clear. I thought that was such a good joke. Um but yeah, so that was a really funny time. We were we were just kind of booing around, just doing our thing. So anyway, um, long story short, I, I do I'm a I do growth now, and growth is kind of what people who are not fantastic at marketing but decent at sales do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's basically the intersection of 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 of, uh, of everything. So it's uh, I call it the intersection of product marketing and sales. 
And basically what that means is we market stuff, we, we, we land new sales, talk to those customers, bring it back to the engineering team, make decisions, market the new pushes, and so on and so forth. So it's just kind of a generalist role. Um, but my last company I was at was awesome. It was Gainfully uh, and Vinvera. They, they, both, they both were actually acquired recently, which is very exciting for the founder, Cameron. Amazing dude. Lend, I actually lived in his house. Uh, he, he gave it awesome. to me in LL for a while. I was tight. Yeah. And then Bargama, yeah, great team. Um, and so anyway, that's my that's my villain origin story. So <laughs> I love that. I love that. Let's um, take a quick second and we're going to pause for station identification. Hey, friends, I just want to take a quick second and tell you about this episode's sponsor. So our sponsor today is Peachy. Peachy is a company making it way easier to pay your medical bills and way more rewarding. So instead of getting your bills um, via paper in the mail and then having to fill out a check or fill out your card information, find a stamp, mail it back, or um, find the ID number, the PIN number on the bill and then type in the URL and try to figure out how to use a super outdated payment portal, Peachy makes it way easy to pay. You get a text or an email, and then you click the link and um, pay your bill right there. Super easy. You can pay your bill in two clicks. I've seen it done. I've done it before. Super awesome. Um, They use Apple Pay, Google Pay, and um, they also allow you to set up payment plans really easy. So if you get that bill that's a little too big for your budget, um, spread that out over three months or six months and um, interest-free, and it'll, it'll automatically automatically charge your card so you don't have to worry about forgetting it and getting um, more bills or more um, reminders or anything like that like super easy super easy to use Um, and what you can do today if if you're tired of getting paper bills go to peachypay.com and in the at the top you'll see a little tab that says refer my providers and click that put your doctor's name in there and um, peachy will reach out to them and let them know, hey, your patients are tired of getting paper bills. They would like to be texted their bill. And um, Peachy will do what they can to get your provider set up with that. Um, I do work at Peachy. It is a really cool company. And I'm really proud that um, Peachy was interested in sponsoring this. And I am really passionate about making medical bill payment better for everyone. So with that... Thanks for um, listening to this very brief sponsorship, and let's jump back into the show. And we're back. Jackson, you have enthralled us all with your stories of... um, (laughs) <laughs> Everything. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Pete thing is just so. Funny. Uh, I I've it. done that so many times. I, I remember another funny story that I have was in high school. I was working at Taco Bell, and my buddy came to the drive-through and was like, "Hey, dude, you want to go to Taco this weekend?" I said, "Sure, sure, sure, sure." And started driving up there, like at my account, seventeen dollars. I'm like, "Oh, dude, I'm gonna crush Taco this weekend." We get there. We sneak into the Wonderlust Festival because my buddy climbs off a wall to the second like story, and we watch like some concert. It was really fun. And we wake up the next morning, we find the celebrity golf tournaments in the South Lake Tahoe. It's like, let's go crash there. Right. And so far, I'm at zero dollars spent basically because the yep. festival was free. Like whatever. 
So he gets, we sneak into the, into the Edgewood and we're like on the 18th green. We're taking pictures with like Steve Young, Kevin from the office, just whatever. Nice. And lightning hits the course. So everyone needs to go to the um, clubhouse. And the clubhouse at Edgewood is two stories. So every like person who's not allowed upstairs, the VIPs are, has to stand there. And they're letting people in waves. So I just sneak behind the first wave and I'm on the other side. Easy peasy. My buddy gets stopped. So I walk over to the ticket booth and there's a ticket right between the guy's legs. He accidentally dropped one. I pick it up, throw it down, get my buddy in. So we go to, we go, we go, and the VIP is like fully catered, all these things. And so it's super funny. I didn't know what to order. So I ordered like a steak and penne pasta with like pesto nice. sauce and like shrimp. It's just disgusting. And we just sit at a random table. And the people who sit to our left is Larry the Cable Guy with these two women. And he's trying to navigate a threesome or what I thought at the time <laughs> was a threesome. I have, I have no idea what navigating yep. a threesome sounds like, right. but like it just makes yep. the story sound so much better in my head. And I've been telling yep. it for years. And then to my right, the table right to our right is Steph Curry and his entire family just eating dinner right there. Right. <laughs> Stepping across. I was sitting there. I was like, what the hell did I walk into? Right. And the waitress walks up to me and she's like, Hey, do you want, you know, something to drink? And I was, you know, 18. It's like, yeah, I'll have a Coke. And she goes, Jack and Coke. And I go, absolutely. And I just like, <laughs> I'm on the time of my life. Like I said, $17 to my name at this point. Right. I take pictures with all of them. Like, you know, great, great time. Like every, the Trent Dilfer, you name it. Every B-list celebrity is there. And so anyway, we walk out and that time, like it's, you know, way too late. So we got to go back to like, like uh, South Shore and all the party buses show up and we just get in one and some guy just tips the driver a hundred dollars and he just dropped off at the car for free. It was the craziest. <laughs> anyway, that's my advertisement for myself. I just would, would be awesome. remiss. I wasn't Resourceful. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that story. Anyway, well, go ahead. Sorry, I wasn't excited. Let's talk. Um, let's <laughs> talk about buying the constitution. What do you think? Uh, Dumb, cool. Is it going to happen? What do you think? I think a couple of things. I think it's, it's, I think one, so 70% of the money raised right now is by whales. So it does nothing for decentralization, does nothing for power. I think it was yeah. too big of a task. It reminds you of um, the Dow Krause house and they're trying to buy an NBA team and, and manage it through a Dow. I think that from a principal standpoint, it was a really phenomenal idea when it was like a million people getting involved at the beginning, yeah. right? Like I, so I joined, maybe the second day and there was like you know i maybe a couple hundred people on the discord and it was just kind of quirky and funny i made like a meme and then they got like really serious like they opened like the funding platform like all oh, these things moving and, and i didn't even donate till today but like i was like holy holy cow like this is very very real you know yep. and i think it's really really cool to see the power that something like that has and i think it's really cool to see a massive shift in how money and the store of value has changed over time. But I, I do think that the process of buying it doesn't fulfill its, like the, like the whole purpose of decentralization, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that becomes very clear the more time you spend looking at some of these DAOs and, and, and how decentralized autonomous organizations really, really are, are, are trying to operate, right? And so I think that, from the standpoint of the retail investor, like Robinhood, right? No centralized organization there. From the standpoint of, you know, these different, you know, uh, policies on what you can and cannot have, what they can, can allow. I think having a community run organization is great. 
And I think the way that ENS did it, um, and the Ethereum name service, yep. wherever you owned it, you participated, you got the drop of the tokens, and that allowed your governance. I thought that was really smart because it created equal allocation early. And I think that's what this missed. And I think having allocation by financial contribution is is not the way to do this. I think the way they should have done it was, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really stand by on the side and critique because I didn't, I didn't know what they went through. I don't know how hard it is to pull the levers. So it feels unfair to say what they should or shouldn't have done. All I can say is that I thought ENS, Ethereum name service drop was really, really well done. Because I bought Jackson Rodriguez.eth. I bought it for like eight years. And I was rewarded, even though it wasn't a popular three-letter name. It wasn't, you know, yeah. I made it my, I got a multiplier. Yeah. And so I was really, really happy with how that turned out. Um, and I think that really was like, okay. And I, I allocated my um, my governance tokens to Jeff Morris Jr. I was like, I hey, trust, dude, you know, this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, we should send this to him. We should send this exact clip right. to him. But, but, but I, I thought like allocating that to him felt like a really good way to govern um in in a in a much different way i i think though if i had just bought a ens right maybe on the 31st snapshot and didn't update it didn't do whatever and got less i think i might be upset at someone like me but i've always bought domains i mean you should yep. see how many domains i have that it finally paid yep. off right yeah um i own some of the dumbest domains ever i would buy this page.com i don't even know what to do with it i just own it i think i bought like yeah i have some i bought a domain i think it was ice by mail and my grand idea was i was going to send ices like smear off ices <laughs> ice your friends in the mail i don't even know if that's a good idea i just bought the right. domain um but yeah oh i also bought uh drunk and and i made a lebron james power hour and uh i did that i was i got a lot of reddit karma for that one but, but like I said, I, I, and so I think, um, I think like there are better ways to govern mass adoption groups like that yeah. other than by your own financial contribution. That's what I don't like about the Constitution DAO yeah. ultimately. What was really small was like really fun and quirky, but then it kind of like yeah. grew. The big players just ran the show again, and I felt like I lost my voice, and I didn't, I, I wasn't a fan yeah. of that. You know? No, that and that's kind of some of the, the feedback I saw on Twitter was that cool DAOs sound cool. But then, like in practice, it almost ends up like more um, like you can't having like a truly decentralized organization is just really hard. And so, like the big guys or gals or whoever are like have really have more power end up kind of running the show, and that kind of sucks. Well, no, but see, with ENS it was early adopters, yep. right? Because because people with ENS were able to buy early. They had yep. a bunch of domains. I saw one guy who bought like four massive domains for four different wallets, and he got three hundred and sixty coins or three hundred sixty tokens coins. Yeah, three hundred sixty tokens at like each of his. I think he had ten wallets actually, and so that's like life changing money because he bought them oh, all yeah. for his family way Bro, long ago. I got like one hundred and seventeen tokens, and like. That's still like having like right now it's like five grand. Like that's actually a big deal to me. Like dude, a, like, I got two hundred and sixty to tokens. That's I got two hundred and sixty. I was like blown away. All of a sudden I logged on and I claimed them. I was like, this is cool, whatever. And I looked at the, the price, thing was like nineteen dollars, like nine thousand right. like dollars. That right. That like that like knocks out my student loan. I mean, it, it, it's life changing money. 
And so I think when you, I mean, for a small, if Jeff Morris Jr. is still listening, $9,000 is nothing to me. Um, right. <laughs> but, oh, Chuck chain, I tipped that at Taco Bell. Um, no, but, 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 but I remember, um, I remember looking at that and that was when I believed in DAOs. Like yeah. that's when I believed that the people built a project. There was not one employee. There was not one person running the show. And it allowed me, if I wanted to keep those governance tokens, I could have, you know, been a part of all of it, done whatever and had a say. I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. I actually really believe in DAOs way more than I ever have um, because I think there's something really fascinating about them. And so um, I'm actually working with a company right now uh, called Mintgate.io. That's a shameless plug. Um, but, but what they do is they, they do uh, basically token-gated content for anyone on yeah. the web, right? It's a pretty cool topic, but what I felt and when I met with their founders, I was like, I think what, what is missing is that these NFTs are arbitrarily ranked on price that anyone decides, right? Yep. So some person's listing an NFT for uh, one Ethereum and I don't know what I'm getting from it, right? Yep. And so what I think is really interesting and what I suggested was that if you were to create a treasury for a creator and you were able to make your fans help you crowdfund that treasury, yep. then your then your NFT is related to the treasury's cost, right? Because my thought process was this, that in web two, MRR and ARR, right? The golden crown of everything, yep. right? Like they were, they were the hub, but that's not the case for web three. Like what's the crown jewel for web three and creators know what they need to make. So if you're able to start, you know, a crowdfund and allocate that and more people are funding you and you're able to create more NFTs, your value is naturally going to increase yep. and you're able to create gated content of value and track that value at a cost. And I think that is, well, I guess that's what I'm working on. So if yep. the if the listeners are going to steal my idea, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but if, if you do, like, like take the idea. Like if you can build it better than me, do it. I, I, I think that there was such a time in my life and there's still people like this who, you know, sign NDA before I tell you my idea Bro. all yeah. the time, all the time. Right. And I, and I think execution is really tough, but I do think that DAOs and like a centralized monetary, like, like, like party like that around that is, is really powerful. I do. I just think it can't be governed by the donors. That that's yeah. my entire, that's my yeah. whole loop around to the constitution yeah. DAO. No, I think, I think that that's really interesting. I think that there's like, I feel like in a lot of ways, like NFTs, um, DAOs, even like crypto in general, it feels like they're becoming more commonplace to people like you and me. And it's starting to feel like, oh, we're not early anymore. But at least like with DAOs and NFTs and things like that, it seems like we are still so early and actually figuring out how to apply these things to real problems and how to make them work more than just like, oh, I bought an NFT and now it got more and now I made a bunch of money, you know, like that's not what this is about so, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. And so, so my theory with that too, cause I, I spent a lot of time, like I, uh, the web three space is perfect for a person like me. I just yeah. lurk. I think yeah. I, I, I don't think a lot, but I do think, I do think it's about <laughs> this mostly. Um, and, and I really like love the idea of how an NFT like board ape yacht club or uh, crypto kit, whatever, that's a store of value. Right. And I, yeah. I get that. It's a finite. And you see a lot of products come out 
that don't have a floor raise and, and, and they, they have a tough time. But what I think is really interesting about the NFT space and, and the crypto space in general is that there's all these engineers moving to this space. And when they get there, they go and build way more complex things. So I'm like, I try to be really involved. I try to like learn as much as I can. And I'm in a million, too many discords. But I think my, I'm making a really big bet on, on my, both my career and, and probably my, my portfolio, honestly, on companies that are able to bridge that gap right now. Because I think that gap is just getting so much bigger. For when I saw Mintgate, I was like, this feels like the first use case I see where someone who is a complete non-user yep. can set up a wallet can buy an NFT and can access someone's content and go, oh, this has value now. I think that is really fascinating to me. And I that those are the kinds of companies that I really want to take bets on because I think that right now is such a big market for people who don't have insanely technical skills, right? Like yep. I, I can be semi-technical, but not enough to go and change it infrastructure eip i don't even know all the jargon right exactly but 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 i do think like there's something there where you can bridge that gap way more and and i look every time i talk to these companies or whatever the dials or anything along those lines projects i always think like how can i get my my mom to understand this how can i get yep. like my aunt how can i and if you can make that possible i think there's a really really big not necessarily TAM, that's a wrong word, but but there's a really much quicker adoption rate for that. Yep. Like the barrier to entry needs to be minimal. And so I'm really, I think that's what I'm putting a big bet on. I would love to hear your thoughts on all that. No, you, you stole the words right out of my mouth. Like I grew up middle of nowhere. Like my mom, she still like carries cash around. And like, I know people use cash, but like she like, they have like, I don't know, they are in a lot of ways like laggards, but they're only in their forties. Like they're not old people. They're just from kind of the middle of nowhere where like, if you want to like, I don't know, like operate in the world, you don't operate on like the technical level that you and I do. And like getting my mom to like, I don't know, she's always trying to give me money in cash, like to pay me back for things. I'm like, stop. Like, I'm not going to the bank. I'm not going to use this. This grosses me out. Like, I don't like yeah. cash, but like, there's just like such a difference. I tried to tell her about like, Oh, I bought this NFT. And she's like, Oh, did you buy that with your pretend money? It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Your cryptocurrencies. I'm like that, that is where, like, that's the roadblock right here is there is a huge, a like a way bigger market of people that don't get it and that aren't like ready to adopt crypto or, or be a part of this like new world that we're going into. And if we can start helping those people join and helping those people make the transition and making it um, I don't know, understandable, that feels like the most important step to getting there. Because if not, it's just going to be a bunch of dorks behind their computers and living in a world that everyone's not. And like that actually like stresses me out a little bit from like an inequality perspective. You're going to, are we going to enter like this new world where it's those who know how to use a computer really well? And those who are like, just like worried about like getting their job done and like paying their bills. Like to me, that's the last thing that we need is like, more people that are just kind of like stuck behind and can't catch up. I couldn't agree more. And I think that the parallel everyone's drawing, and I'm sure everyone's heard this, is that it's like the internet being created, right? And people jumping in there. But the people who made it usable, like Google and AOL and MSN, and 
even MySpace for 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 crying out loud. I think yeah. those were really easy ways to bridge the gap of utility. And I think utility is a really tough part. And you know, my, uh, I, I also think too. You said something where it was like the middle of nowhere. That that's not even a barrier anymore because yeah. of technology in general, right? Like technology yeah. is unavoidable. However, enterprise SaaS and all these big tech, yeah, that that isn't touched, right? And so crypto doesn't even move even past those others. And so. So my mom is a perfect example. So she she's from the Bay. She um, grew up there way before tech, but Fresno, like not really into it. She got into it because of Ashton Kutcher and listened to like podcasts. She's like, she's yep. trying to learn and it still makes no sense to her. And, and I got to give her a lot of credit because she really is like trying, but mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's, it's such a massive learning curve. And like I said, I'm in it all the time and I read some stuff. I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about right now. And I think that is the next big challenge that really needs to be unlocked. And I think that's where business ops people start making their way into Web3, hopefully, in order to like really bolster those projects that have that utility, right? Yeah. And that's that's what I think is a next big, big step, hopefully, you know? Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Like I was talking to my uncle and he he was telling me like, oh yeah, I bought XRP. And I th- XRP, that's Ripple, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. Ripple's like getting sued. Is that the comp- like SEC? I, I think they're, they're, they're SEC claims. And so I think there's also a lot of really shit products out there. Exactly. Like really bad altcoins that and people hear about Doge and Shiba and all these things. And it's so funny because when when Robinhood, so I, I took a bunch of calls out Nokia during during the phase. I thought it'd be really yeah. funny, like whatever. I was like ten thousand dollars in one day, right? Like I said, life changing money at the time. Um Still have changing money, but but Robin had locked me out. And I lost it all. So I took my remains, I threw it in Doge, and I ended up pulling out after a week. But I did the math a month later, and it would have been worth three hundred thousand dollars. And so these like stories of like these things happening are probably so confusing to where when you look at like real institutional value behind Bitcoin being a store of value. Yeah. And the reason I brought up like you saying you know from nowhere that doesn't matter because there's some people who buy Bitcoin. It's like completely decentralized yep. but i think there's a lot of value in having exactly like robin hood not decide what i can and can't do and not having these terrible monetary policies that the fed is running right now like our apr rate is zero like i mean there's so many problems that we're facing with the us dollar that i think it's really difficult to understand how these sorts of alternative currencies are really going to make a difference. And that's exactly the theory that I think you and I are stepping into. Yeah. And like, like my uncle, so his friend was like, you need to buy ripple. And he like bought ripple. And I think he's like, he's like, hasn't made any money. Maybe he lost a little bit of money. He like got in late, but I, I asked him to show me like, Hey, what are you show me? Like what you're buying with? He was buying with this like wallet exchange. Like I'd never heard of at all. So like, first of all, like that's kind of weird. And then they're going to sponsor the Lakers Stadium next. That that weird exactly. wallet, Lakers Stadium. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then like he also can't. He's like, I don't know how to sell it. Like even if I wanted to, I don't know how to sell it. And like that's a big thing. That's like we need to do a better job. And I know like Coinbase is doing a good job. I think of like trying to educate people, but like making all of these like big transitions that we're making. Like if you want to call it Web three, like sure. I like I don't that's like a conversation for the next podcast, but like crypto DAOs, NFTs, all these things that are changing a lot of the ways that we like interact with people. And we like do transactions and things like the ways that we invest, like people, I think that you're totally right. Like 
we need to get more like business ops, more marketing people, more people that can help the like, just like middle of the road, like blue collar worker who's just trying to like learn, help them understand because so many of those people are going to get taken for a ride. They're going to lose money and like lives will be destroyed. Kind of like the financial, like the 2008, the friggin' housing crisis. Those were just people getting taken for a ride by like lenders and mortgage brokers and real estate agents. Like we need to do what we can to avoid that and to help this be something that like lifts all boats and doesn't just lift some of the few and then like friggin' drown everyone else. Right. And I think when you look at how people can acquire crypto right now, it's fascinating because people can buy their bank which or uh, intermittentary, which they don't even own that crypto, right? Yeah. They're buying like some sort of like a right to it or something, but it's yeah. not in a wallet. It's not executionable. There's no yeah. use case for it. And so I'm sure those companies are just turning around and staking that at like, you know, 20% and they're making so much money off of it. And so I think ownership of the actual coin or of a token, the token is really important because I think, I think that there is a massive use case that is coming to how we can utilize these things. And I think NFTs are the beginning of this entire ride. And when I talk about DAOs and this really complicated understanding of money in general, right? Like if you, if you look at like the, uh, you know, the old historical policy of, of the U S dollar, right? Like I think after the civil war, there was like three different factions in the U S where farmers wanted it based off like the French, whatever there was the, you know, people who wanted off gold and the people just paper out of nowhere. And we've had these like similar kind of targets, but if you didn't have an understanding, you just had an innate trust. And I think Bitcoin does a very good job. And I know Bitcoin as a disclaimer, but I think that, you know, having someone create that, create a finite amount of tokens and then having complete anonymity is a really interesting thing, right? And, and people obviously give Ethereum crap because Ethereum has Vitalik as the head. You know, people are burning and, and destroying coins, which increases. There's all kinds of different stuff that goes into it. That's really, really tough. And so I think it's like, like I said, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say ultimately is that I think there's a... Um, a lot to be reckoned with, but I think it needs to be done quickly before the dollar goes to, to, to crap. Yeah. And yeah. and people are screwed in general, right? Totally. Man, this has been a fun conversation. I um I'm looking forward to doing this again. I um I want to I talk feel like we should just do a regular she's a regular right? segment now. Yeah. Oh, let's yeah. not invite anyone oh, yeah. else. Let's just let's right? just let me be on all the time. This is the new podcast. <laughs> yeah. Start, start with Jackson. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I love it. Yeah, man. Well, let's do, let's real quick run through the lightning round and then I'll let you go. Um, and we'll, we'll totally do this again. Um, yeah. What is a lightning round though? So the lightning round, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions and you have to answer lightning fast. I can talk, I can talk like an auctioneer. This is my phone voice that I'm using. So when I normally <laughs> talk, I normally talk like this. This is how I talk all the time. It's too quick. Yeah. I, and so I have a note that says slow the F down that I tape everywhere. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. First question. What is a startup that you wish existed? You have to answer fast. Oh, sorry. Ice by mail. You can send smeared off ice. <laughs> <laughs> um, a startup that I wish existed would be an aggregator of all of the Grubhub and food delivery services. Yep. And then just gives you the lowest delivery in time. I think that exists actually. Damn I it. saw okay. an advert on TikTok. No, it's oh, great. Right. That's a, 
you'll have to look into that. I'll, I'll see if I can find the ad on TikTok. Okay. All right. All right. Next question. What would you do if tomorrow you had $5 million? <laughs> um, I, I'd probably be arrested because if I had $5 million <laughs> by tomorrow, I did nothing legal to get that. Um, <laughs> I, I have no idea. What would you do? I would ask, actually, curious, what would you do? Mm, I don't know. I probably would just um, maybe like pay off my student loans. By, um, <laughs> and then you'd be, you still have 70,000 more. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd probably buy, buy a Tesla and then just keep working for a while at least. I like my job. So, yeah. Oh, you suck up. Yeah. It's true though. Like I do like my job. So, um, but let's keep, keep grinding. Um, what is the last book you read? Not the last book you finished, the last book that you read. I actually have it right here. It's this really cool book. Let me have the title of it. It'll be two seconds. It's called the decision book and it's 50 models for strategic thinking and it has pictures. That's why I really like it. But it go. takes all these different uh, models of decision-making for doing yourself, thinking, and others. So how to improve myself, how to understand myself better, how to understand others better, and how to improve others. And it has it on like a spectrum. And then you just get to flip through and read one little article on that. So That's I actually cool. read that pretty frequently because the frameworks are, are really great to read by someone not doing a Twitter thread. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Twitter threads are the worst. Um, the worst. What's the last movie you watched? Oh, man. Um, Moneyball. I watched it last night with my mom. There you go. I love that movie. That's uh, one of those movies, though. Like, I think there's a – sorry, I know it's lightning round. But I think there's a subset genre of movies that I call, like, must-watch TV movies. Whenever they're on TV, you have yep. to watch them. Yep. It's like Shawshank Redemption. Uh, it's Moneyball. Uh, it's uh, Pretty Woman. Uh, it's like those movies that like, you know, yep. TNT plays at 3 p.m., yep. you know? Yeah, yeah. Love that. Love that. Okay, last question. No. <laughs> last question. You can get to have dinner with two people, one dead, one alive. Who do you pick? Hmm. Does Jesus count? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I would say dead. That'd be really fascinating. I honestly, and this is probably a terrible take, and I'll probably regret saying this, but I would say give me the most random dead person at any point in time. I think it'd be just fascinating to pick their brain, just a complete stranger. Right. Like just right. pluck someone out before 1900, any, any person, just go through the litter. There's a lot of them. There's way more dead people than there's alive people. <laughs> and just pick one of them and just put them on the table. I think that'd make for a great, a great case. I think alive, probably you. No, no, but I think I think alive, probably um, alive. I think it'd be really cool to have dinner with. I think a comic. I'd really love to have dinner with a comic, like a really good one. I think Chappelle would be really fascinating. I think Dave that'd Chappelle be, would be probably okay. Yeah, that'd be that's a good choice. You can't you can't go wrong with that with that choice. Yeah, because um, I think I think Dave also cuts through like a lot of the jokes and is also totally normal, and so that'd be great. Yeah, I don't yeah, want this to stop. Like, Damn it. Okay. I know, man. We'll, we'll do it again for sure, for sure. If I don't, okay. if we don't um, wrap up, I think my wife won't let me do any more episodes. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, what if we let the episode never wrap and we just keep this running forever? You know, and we just make it a live stream. Is, 
my sodas are almost gone, and so like, I can't live much longer. <laughs> oh no, you've only had fifteen today. No. Right. <laughs> um, okay, cool. all right. Well, well, this was a blast. Yeah, man. Tell people how they can um, connect with you if they want to, if they're um, brave enough. Yeah, send me a snail mail to PO Box. Uh, no, um, I would say Jackermeno underscore on Twitter. Shoot me a text nine one six eight nine seven three seven two one. Give me a call. Oh, Just meet me a cool. little, little voice now um i also own the email halfpipe jacks at yahoo.com that i made in fourth grade never check it um uh endorse me on linkedin um uh you know microsoft word I use more of those there we go there we go sweet man well this has been super fun and we'll definitely do it again awesome yay <laughs>